Welcome to Aerial Evolution. I'm Jane. And I'm Rowan. With us today is the one and only Fred Deb. Fred was one of the pioneers of the aerial we know and love. It was her graduating class of the National Center of Circus Arts in 1992 that changed circus forever. They took a 90-degree turn on the traditional trick-based aerial performances of the past and transformed it into the storytelling conceptual work of the modern day. Since the beginning of her career as a circus artist, Fred Deb defined herself as an aerial choreographer. In this episode, Fred Deb shares her perspective on the early days and why it has become what it has, as well as her teaching philosophy, choreographic style, and so, so, so much more. Trust us when we say you will not want to miss this one. If you like what you hear and want to join in on the discussion, find us on Instagram or Facebook at Aerial Evolution Pod. We would love to hear from you. And if you want more info on what was discussed, make sure to check out the links in the show notes. All right, let's get started. Hello. Hello. Hi. Good, uh, Hello. good evening for Hi. you. Yes. Morning for us. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. We're really excited. Fred, you are known as being one of the pioneers of Ariel. How did you get started? Okay, so it's my idea of the story, you know, because there is different people who are saying different things. But I was one of the first students who are doing Ariel and especially rope and silks. My personal ideas and on uh, life. This movement, this aerial movement about this kind of vertical started in Chalon, in the National Circus School in France, when I was a student. Basically, at the beginning, we were working on a rope. And you know a rope with a staff? You hang your hand in something, you know, and you, you catch a rope and you are hanging by your hand. Does it make sense for you? Yeah. And like you a... turn like this, yes. Mm -hmm. we, call, we call it Spanish rope, actually? Yep, we yeah. call it yes. the same. yes. Okay, so we were working on Spanish rope on other apparatus, and uh, we decided to start to work on a vertical rope without anything else. And this is how it started for me on my own uh, training. So for me, it started by the rope, and then we did some fabrics, and then we moved from the rope to the fabric. And then we developed the, this idea on the style and uh, the aesthetic. And this was uh, in uh, 1993, 94. Yes. Wow. And uh, I was doing two different things. I was doing a rope and I was doing also a swinging hoop, rotating swinging hoop. How did you come to it before that? What drew you to take those classes and was it a circus based? It was at the beginning of the National Circus School and uh, the circus was really at the beginning. We, we, it was between the traditional circus and now we call it contemporary circus, but before we didn't say this. We call it new circus. Between traditional and now contemporary, we, we have this gap for a few years that we call a, a new circus. Okay. Yes, it makes sense. Yes, yes. So yeah, 
It definitely does. And I, I love that you mentioned the difference between traditional circus and contemporary circus. I read an article before we met with you where you differentiate between them. Would you mind talking a little bit about the history of traditional circus and how that helped develop this period that you're referring to as new circus and how that's different than what's developing in contemporary circus? <laughs> okay, so about the traditional circus, it's, uh, yeah, you know what the story of the traditional circus, I mean, I will try to do it very short. There is, <laughs> because it's, it's also a long, long story if we want to talk about this, you know. But traditional circus, it's more about tricks and put the tricks in the middle of your dramaturgy. So the dramaturgy, it's about uh, make, making a big tricks. And um, this is point on the high level of the circus act, actually. It's about the danger. It's about uh, being super, super woman or superman or, you know, something like that. And um, then contemporary circus. We go to another idea of writing the circus and writing an act, you know. And there is this gap between the two where we were not sure about uh, how we can... Uh, write and explain what is a circus and tell a story and, and uh, which kind of material we can use and to tell these stories without being traditional, so without using even animals or clown or grotesque or um, all these kind of stuff who are really about the traditional. And um, yes, how to make this also becoming a clear art, actually, because there is also all this idea about uh, circus was not an art, you know, because it doesn't have so many things to do and to tell, and because uh, the writing of the dramaturgic ideas was not so developed. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's about this, all the what's happened in, uh, in contemporary circus and now where we are. That's really interesting. With where the individual apparatus fit into that development, you talked a little bit about moving from Spanish web to rope and starting to integrate silks into that and sort of transform the way that you work with those. Can you talk a little bit more about what your process was in doing that, how you evolved those different apparatus? I think the process at this time, at this moment in this circuit school was that uh, in France, they built up a national circus school, and we didn't really know what where we wanted to go and what will become the circus, because it was very, at the beginning, and uh, it was not so clear um, where we will become, where we will go, what we want to build up as a, as a style and aesthetic and, uh, and uh, movement. You know, so basically at the beginning, the first very important things was that we didn't want to do a traditional circus and we wanted to let go all the classification and to go over and to change everything. And, you know, it was really what we can do to change, you know, to become something different. We don't want to stay in a circus, traditional circus. So we want to make something new and how we can do this. So build up new apparatus was a part of the process and also trying different uh, way of costume way and uh, uh, music choices and character. We wanted to be as a character on, on stage and everything. So we really wanted to cut all this codification. It makes sense? Yeah, it absolutely. Does. I think that's really fascinating. I'm curious then, do you see there being a shift from the traditional circus to the new contemporary circus and then on to aerial dance? Ah, uh, 
For me, there is a difference between uh, aerial dance and contemporary circus. In aerial dance, we are more focused on really uh, movement and qualities on movement and dance, you know, much more than on a circus, actually, I think. And also circus has more what to do with character, much more than uh, aerial dance, from my point of view. That's why I, I much more call my work aerial dance than contemporary circus, because my, my mind focus, it's really much more on, on the, all the qualities of movement and all the dance. I have a dance background as well. And also, yeah, this is really my aesthetic and my, uh, my choices as an artist. Interesting. So did you do dance before going into circus? Yes, and also a lot after. Yes, a lot of dance after the circus school. Mm. Why did you want to start your own festival and, and kind of how did that all come to be? <laughs> so, yes, when I went to USA the first time, I discovered the aerial dance, basically very much in France. It's much more contemporary circus, the aesthetic. I went to USA the first time and I was very surprised and I really enjoyed watching all this aerial dance movement. It was very not what I was used to watch, you know, and it inspired me a lot. Basically, it inspired me for, for a long, long time, actually. And um, I was thinking that this was not happening here in France, and I was thinking that it was very interesting for French people to feel this uh, movement and to see how it's happened in another country. And so that's why I wanted to start my own festival here, and I was thinking that there is a lot of potential and a lot of people who really wanted to have this here in Europe, you know. So it was my uh, goal, basically. It was my first idea to, to start. Again, not, not everywhere in Europe, but especially here in France. Let's say that the idea is much more to make circus and contemporary circus instead of aerial dance. Aerial dance, it's maybe more anywhere else in Europe, but less in France. I'm thinking that aerial dance, I think it's more an uh, American idea. Interesting. Yes, 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 for sure, for mm -hmm. sure. In Europe, we are coming from the, from the circus, uh -huh. yes. And especially here in France, and then because the first uh, national circus school was in France, and then there is now different circus school in UK and in Belgium, and there is also in, in Holland. So there is much more um, high-level national circus school now in Europe. But the first was in France. All the aerial come uh, arrive by the circus. All the aerial uh, development and material and everything. So interesting. Would you say that the shift from traditional circus to the more contemporary aerial style that we kind of think of today, did that happen then in the 90s when you started? Yes, totally. The beginning, the beginning was there. The beginning was in uh, at the National Circus School in France. This, this was uh, the... The gap, the tournament, when we do a 90 degree uh, way of going somewhere else, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for, for sure. At the, at the same moment, we had a, a National Circus School in Montreal. So there is these two circus schools who were growing up in the same time, but uh, without the same ideas of, um, of the aesthetic choices. Mm -hmm. So then uh, in France, uh, in Europe, actually, everything started here. Mm. And then, and then it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. 
then there is, a, after 10 years of this circus school, there is a dance choreographer uh, who came to the circus school and who choreographed uh, for the school a beautiful performance. And this performance went all over the world. And it was uh, with this performance, the, the contemporary circus become very popular and everybody can know what was uh, the circus and the contemporary circus by this performance. So it was really, and it was a choreographer. So it was really this idea, this, it was after the 10th anniversary of the circus school. Yes, this also, it's, a, it's another uh, chronologic, very important date. Something that I think is different in Europe than it is here is that there is a certain amount of funding that comes from the French government to support not only the arts, but circus and contemporary circus? Yes, is that, you're is right. That correct? How does that work? If you want to develop your own project, you I won't say you have to be supported by the government, but it's much easier, you know? So it's very important to be supported by the government. And also if you want to go one step higher, so I mean, you can start to create, but yes, for sure, if you receive funding, it's easier for you to create for the next step. And also you can build up something, you can build up a kind of career in a way. I received some funding for my own work. And uh, also now for the new place that I'm building up, I receive funding. I have, I have, I'm supporting by my own city here and also the area around support me and support the project and are very, very, uh, they help a lot with this project. Yeah, it's, it's, we are very lucky with this actually. Yeah, it's something that I really wish we had in the United States. <laughs> Sometimes a very, very difficult thing to try and create artistic works in this way. I'm personally quite jealous of a country that supports people yes. to, to do this. I totally understand. And yes, 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 yes. When I was in USA, it was not surprising for me because I knew. But yes, I, it seems that it's very difficult for you to be an artist and to live as an artist. And uh, I was very impressed by people. <laughs> I was strong there <laughs> doing so many things. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> I was about to say, you usually end up doing a lot of odd, weird things to make ends meet so that you can keep doing art. Yeah. It's just very different, it sounds like. In in regards to your personal performance style, can can you talk a little bit about how you developed your personal aesthetic in Ariel? And then also if you have an apparatus that you prefer to work on? And then as a, a personal curiosity, do you have a favorite character that you've created? I think that my piece, The Woman in the Moon on the Hoop with a Dress, was my best uh, character because it also was a piece with my husband. So uh, we love to perform this and we performed it for a long time. So it's one of our favorite things because of the of the costume and because of the yes duet with my husband. And um, how I create, I think... All my, my sensibility, it's about this verticality, what represents the vertical, and uh, it represents something between the earth and the, and the sky, you know? So it's this kind of uh, big, big vertical like this. And for me, it's very spiritual, actually. It's about the costume, dressing, being dressed. And uh, what is your skin and how you dress yourself and why do you dress you and what does it change for you to be naked or to be dressed and 
what is these qualities of uh, relationship on your skin, you know? So the fragility or being in security or how you, what do you want to share with the others and not and kind of being shy or, you know, so it's everything about this. My work, it's about this actually. Being dressed by the fabric, being dressed by the costume and being uh, naked and dressed and uh, all this illusion. Interesting. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I feel sometimes comes up as people are working with fabric is that there's almost like a, there's a period of time I felt when I was learning it, where I felt like I was sometimes fighting with it. And it's such an interesting perspective to think of it as uh, connecting to my, to my skin, and how that can inform movement. That's really cool. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It seems like you focus a lot on concept in your personal work. How does that then translate into your teaching philosophy? Yes, I always teach. From the from the beginning of my career till now, I always teach. So it means that it's something that it's interesting me because it's always a part of me. And um, I think that I was more technical before than I am now. <laughs> totally <laughs> not so technical. I'm not a technical person now. But I think that I was. When I was in, in USA the first time, I was doing much more technical stuff than I'm doing now. Uh, but I will say that technique is important as a base. Yes, as a base. So it's important to have a good technique to go somewhere else but and develop your own uh, sensibilities and ideas and character or anything. As a teacher, I'm very focused on trying to help my students to being who they want to be. It's my conception, yes. It's, I will say that not one way to being an artist. So, so yes, this is, this is really my, my focus now, and especially because I, I was a teacher in a circus school for more than 10 years so I'm used to work with artists and I think it's what is important for me is that artists become an artist you know so it's really to to help people to grow up and to help people to find the best of themselves to becoming the best artists and they can this is my my idea of the teaching and my conception so it's helping you to to be different, helping you to be unique and helping you to develop yourself. I would guess that there are Americans who attend the the festival, both yours and other ones in Europe. Do you also get a lot of Americans coming to take classes with you regularly or to attend the National Circus School? I'm just curious how they might be different if they are as students than people who are trained in um, in France or in Europe in, in general. Yes, for sure. For sure. Each country, yes. I really feel the background of the people when they are coming to the festival or even when, yeah, when people arrive. Or, yes. So there is very strong different ideas of the aesthetic choices and the, the yes, uh, everything. The, what is beautiful, what is not, how we, can, how we have to be on the air or not, not you know, uh, various way of thinking the 
what is nice or not or important or not you know so it's it's interesting it's very interesting to see the difference <laughs> yes totally but you know nothing is right or wrong it just it is like it is and but for sure yes it's so so different and in usa the style it's very different it's much more it's closer than uh, uh, montreal for example in Europe, the style, it's very, it's the opposite, actually. And yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> and as an American, every time we've had one of these conversations, because we talked to Chantal McCormick as well from Ireland, and I'd never gotten the opportunity to train internationally. And I'm like, I want to go. <laughs> one of the things Jane and I are interested in sort of discussing, and, and people have many different perspectives on this and is a sort of standardization of moves. So skin the cat, for example, is pretty standard, but a move like an egg roll, some people call it an egg roll. Some people call it a ball or people might call it a tuck. So when someone from a different country or even just a different studio takes classes somewhere else, it can be very confusing and difficult. So we're curious about what people think about a standardization of just the basics. Uh, yes, a uh, few years ago, I was doing a, a pedagogic DVD and I invited Sarah Poole to, to do it with me. So we are busy to trying to find uh, international vocabulary and uh, rules for the names and everything. So we tried and we, we started and we tried to to do it in French, English, and Spanish. But I think it's worked for the beginning and for the basic, and then then it was too, too fast, and it was too, you know, the world, it's, it's just too fast now, so everything is going so, yeah, it's just in one click, so it's not the same. When we... When they did the classical dance, it was not so so fast, so it was totally different, you know. But now it's uh, it's difficult to think about this or to make it. But for me, it doesn't mind, you know. When people arrive from different countries, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't mind how they call things. And for me, there is a basic ideas of the technique, and it's about being uh, your, your body on space and how you are using your body in a space and making making sure and being being sure that. Your body is in a right position where you really want it to go with your yes, with this ideas on the line and being sure about what is your pelvis and your shoulders and your feet and your arms and you know the, your verticality and and yes, so so I have different ideas like this who I already explained to different people and just teach and and then you know then they can yes, it's an international language again and. And then you 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 do what you want, you know. With with so that's that's it for me. For me, there is I have this specific uh, warming up and way of moving and being sure that you, your body is in the space in, with a clear logic for you and me. And and then I have a lot of exercises to go deeper of this, you know. And between this, um, there is all this vocabulary, and it's very nice because there is so many things to learn and to teach and to see and to watch and to discover. This is only the movement, you know, this is only how to make movement. And as a dancer, you make a lot of movement and as an realist, you make a lot of movement. But, you know, it's like in dance, you have the basics, you have how to, your warm up, your own warming up, which is very important for you. Then you are all the movement and then you have your spirit, you know, who makes, what is your style, what is your essence, essential, your philosophy or something, you know, about 
your uh, yeah your artistic way. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting perspective that yes, standard foundation, but then at a certain point, understanding your body and how yes. your body moves and because you're just going to start creating. And so the moves become almost whatever you call them is what you call them. It doesn't matter, but you have to know how to engage your shoulder. You have to know how to manipulate the tuck of your hips and that that's more important in teaching than uh, yes. if we call it egg beater flip-flop or starfish, whatever, that that doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's, it's totally this and you totally understand, right? And it's, it's yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's my way of teaching, you know, having, having a good foundation, as you say, understanding your body and then uh, developing, developing style. And I wanted to say something. It's that this is my point of view, because for me, when we are teaching, being a circus artist, it's not the same as being a dancer. When you teach a dance class, you teach people to becoming basically maybe not at the end of the career, but as a dancer, you are an interpret. As a circus person, you, you are not an interpret. You are you are a creator. You create. You create your own uh, move. Your your own act. Does you know what I mean? So for yeah. me, it's totally different. This is a very clear uh, difference between circus and dance. That uh, when I'm teaching a circus person. Uh, even when I'm doing a circus class, my idea is that people who are in front of me, they want to become, they want to have their own style, their own act, their own, they don't want to become a, an interpret for another choreographer. That's really interesting in that differentiation. Yes, that's, that's a point for me. Shifting slightly, but still focused on on teaching a little bit. One thing that comes up a lot in the United States, especially as more aerial schools have popped up, is uh, focusing on safety and understanding safety for this, you know, admittedly risky art form that that we all partake in. <laughs> How does France approach safety in both its facilities and in terms of the knowledge of the instructors? Yes, 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 yes. This is something that it's... I was, I, I'm always surprised when I'm in USA that how you are a lot of involved in safety. Yes. For me, I will not say that... Uh, I will not be safe, but I will not have this huge consideration about safety. Also, it's cultural, so surprising me, but that's it, you know, it's a point and it is like it is, you know. But me in Europe, I am not so focused on this safety. Yeah, it's another point of view. There are huge cultural differences and, yes, uh, yes. and that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. But it's definitely something that we're curious about as we talk to people with different perspectives, different experiences, different cultures that they live in and how and how that's approached. Yeah, 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 yeah. I try in my teaching, I try to learn to people how to be safe by the by at the beginning, you know. So being safe by trusting themselves that they that they know what they are doing. This is my point of view, and this is how I approach this. It's not about uh, you are safe because you know what you are doing and you know what you are doing because you approach the fabric by at the beginning and you are taking care of what you are doing because you know where your body is and you are 
trusting you because I'm trusting you and you are trust. Yeah, something like that. Something like this. I don't know if it makes sense, but it's something like this. It definitely makes sense. And it, it kind of ties back into what you were talking about with interweaving the idea of teaching philosophy and standardization, that the knowledge of one's physicality, the knowledge of one's strength allows them to be safe because they know their limits. They know- yes that they can do this one thing or they can look at it and say, no, I can't do that. Or the, or the instructor can look at them and say, you're ready for this or no, this is a bad idea to give you this move to try because I can see that you're not strong enough. And that that also is reflected on the student side, that they understand that they're strong enough or not strong enough to do something. Mm, yes. In the last 10 years in the United States, Ariel has become so popular that there yes, there yes. are studios everywhere where you know 10 years ago there were a couple is that the same in france and if so why do you think that is not the same in france because in france we you learn aerial in a circus school basically and now what's happened in the last five years maybe in france it's a it's about the pole dance pole dance become very very fashion pole dance studio grow up but not aerial studio like you have in US or like there is somewhere else in Europe. Not in France, no, it's not like that. It's much more techniques we are teaching a circus school. Why it's becoming so popular? On my idea, I always think that it will become popular because when I started my studies, I had a kind of file to do for the studies, you know, about the dance and the aerial and what I was thinking about this. And I always think that it's normal. It's on a, it's, it's, it's normal. It's where, where we are as a human being, you know, uh, developing all these ideas, wanting to become stronger and we want to fly and we want to, you know, it's just normal that our aerial becomes so popular. It's because we want to, we want to go higher and we want to be, yes. It's a step. It's a step between, again, between the earth and the sky. So, and uh, it's something that's about the dream of being a human, <laughs> flying, no? Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's just normal. Just, yes, everybody wants to do this, but it's normal. I was not surprised that it's becoming so fashion. <laughs> I'm curious about this notion that Ariel is just in circus school. If you want to do Ariel and you go to circus school, can you just focus on Ariel or do you do all of circus? Both, both. If you are if you are a child, you 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 start by doing circus and then you you do some Ariel. And if you are an adult, you you can do only Ariel. And, and again, there is more and more pool dance studio who are doing fabric and hoop now. So even you can go to a pool dance studio, but Ariel will be teach in a different way. Okay. I don't know if it makes sense, but it yeah. will it will be teach much more as a as a sport, as a fitness experience, or something like that, mm -hmm. instead of as a artistic movement. Yeah, that makes sense. We really appreciate you coming in and spending yes. this time with us. And really welcome. So. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Aerial Evolution. In our next episode, we are excited to add to the conversation with Lindsay Butcher, the artistic director and founder of Gravity and Levity and the European Aerial Dance Festival. And we would love to hear from you. If you have questions or comments about this episode, come and find us on Instagram or Facebook at Aerial Evolution Pod. 
And both of those links will be in the show notes as well. And stay tuned for future episodes with other amazing aerialists releasing every two weeks. Until then... 